Hidden deep within the dense jungles of Sumatra, Indonesia, dwells an ancient creature the locals call the Little Man of the Forest. Said to walk upright bipedally like a human, with long arms and broad shoulders, this prehistoric throwback has puzzled researchers for nearly a century, leaving us with the question of whether or not we are looking for a new primate species or something else altogether. For centuries, sightings and reports have surfaced from indigenous locals, Dutch settlers, and most recently, Western researchers who have gone looking for the creature beneath the canopy of Mount Kerinci. But do the reports suggest a truly undiscovered creature? Possibly even a living human ancestor? Or could something else explain the frequent sightings and perpetual fear held amongst the locals of a small man hiding amongst the trees? Join us on Into the Portal for our February full-length Patreon episode as we venture deep into the jungle in search of the Orang Pendek. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we're back with another Patreon That's episode. Right. <laughs> long, long time in the making. Mm-hmm. This month just flew by, so we really thank you guys for your patience because we're right here at the end of February, but yeah. we are really excited about this one. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we jump right into it, though, um, we had a few, we had another new person Woo-hoo! join us on Patreon, so we're stoked. Joe. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks, Joe. And uh, <laughs> a shout out to Christy and Chris, too, from uh, from last week, a couple new patrons as well. Yeah. And we're just stoked to have you guys on board. We're really happy. So. Makes our lives. It really does. Well, <laughs> definitely. It's the only thing worth <laughs> well, in a lot of ways. I mean, <laughs> it definitely feels that way like when we get those email notifications and stuff. I feel like I've got the February blues right now. <laughs> it is, isn't February actually the most miserable month? I don't know, but that would make sense. But anyways, anyway. let's get happy with a little bit of boring pandemic. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, jump into the sunshine of uh, yeah. Sumatra or the rain, depending on into, what season you're in into there. Into the portal of the happy place that's right mm-hmm. that's right mm-hmm. so yeah like uh, amber's alluded to we and, and we've been alluding to all month yeah <laughs> is that we're discussing the orang pendek today which happens to be my personal i'm i'm hesitant to say favorite cryptozoological phenomena because i feel like it's partly a cryptozoological phenomena but could be something else too like a so, crypto um anthropological yeah kind of thing? yeah or yeah i i hear you and it's funny like we have covered a few different similarly themed shows on Patreon. We've done the Menahune. We've also done the Yaren. As another yeah, example. That's true. We seem to like these types of well, things. Well, you guys, you guys, I mean, we're passionate about everything we cover, but um, some of the, I don't even know, the juicy ones that we really love, almost like we want to save them for ourselves and then you guys get to <laughs> enjoy them, right? Because you're our patrons and we we love you. So, oh, yeah, man. I don't know. Like, it, it, this is definitely one that I've been wanting to do for a long time. So, yours all about these hominid. Well, because it's so bizarre, right? The idea that it could still be out there. Well, and I honestly think a lot of the fascination, like, well, it doesn't have to necessarily be a reflection of the self, but I feel like you get 
an element almost of this kind of ambiguous sort of the uncanny sort of feeling where it's like you are us maybe yeah but you are not <laughs> you like you know what i mean like these oh, are absolutely. completely different functioning organisms on a completely different ethereal plane if that's where you want to go with it kind of thing you know like could you imagine them sitting at my cubicle on a daily <laughs> typing yeah, like, in freaking website update no, no i don't think so only in like a gary larson comic and that's it right <laughs> But um, I've seen a few good ones of those uh, and related to the flood episode definitely. we just did. That was so good. <laughs> the unicorns like, hey, all carnivores can find a sea deck. Yeah. And like, where would the pen deck been in all of this? Right. Oh, on board. Maybe they were on their own boat. I saw another one where maybe. it was like um, Ark versus Ark. You had like dinosaurs yeah. versus everything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and oh, then we man. had, what was it, Matt? He like jumped in the conversation. He said, um, Oh, he was like, Where, where's the Bigfoot in all this scenario? And I was like, well, maybe they had their own boat. Or maybe they were up in the sky. Maybe they had a UFO, like the spaceship. Oh, you're going <laughs> grand unified theory here. Okay. <laughs> let's let's get into this. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> all right. So in Indonesia, the term orang pendek literally translates to short person. So it's nothing too crazy there. It's literally just... So which is which then? Is orang short and pendek is small? Or <laughs> person? <laughs> That's small, a good question, actually. Small, short person? I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes in Asian languages, words get switched around in their translation. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like Yao Ming, like his his first name was on the back of his jersey. But oh, it's, really? But it's like, is his name actually Ming? I don't even know. I can't remember. But it's like, it's swapped what? around. Anyway, that's a basketball reference for anyone who doesn't uh, watch <laughs> for like basketball from way back in the day. Holy moly, I'm getting old. Mm-hmm. So I, the, what's significant about this, though, this translation right off the bat is straight up just the word person. And that Mm -hmm. is kind of a reoccurring theme throughout this whole thing, how they're seen as not like an extension of the orangutan, not a primate phenomena for the people in Sumantra. Mm -hmm. It is described as another human-like being, which I just think is significant. That's different than Sasquatch. That's different than other things like that. So it doesn't really have that paranormal implication then. It's more so just like maybe folkloric, mythological a little bit. I mean, you could, we can get, we might get into some paranormal realms in terms of where they reside potentially. I don't know. I have a question for you too, right off the bat here, because you did the predominant amount of research for this, being our cryptozoological expert in this household. But I'm curious, like... Is there any stories of, say, from the indigenous peoples of these orang pendex, like, coming to their aid or, um, like, you know, like, having some sort of, like, mutual beneficial trade or Not really. Okay. So is, like, the short answer to that. Okay. They're not similar in that way to, like, the legendary Menahune that oh, we've okay. talked about and okay. things like that. They're more feared. Hmm. Um, but because they are known to be intelligent... So oh. I, I feel like the relationship is more like stealing resources, um, like aggression when territories are, are trespassed on okay. type thing, but you're mm. dealing with not an animal, with uh, something person. with w- potentially weapons and like things like that, which is so fascinating Ooh. because oh, wow, what era the are they taking this technology from and this, that, and the other thing. So these are all things we're going to get into. Okay. So linguists, essentially the term short person, the Orang Pandek is a blend of Malay languages. So like Indonesia... There's a lot of islands in Indonesia, lots of regional dialects and little things like that. Mm -hmm. So essentially, it can be alternatively translated to the little man of the forest. So again, (laughs) little man of the forest, right? It it sounds so cute. It really does. It sounds more like along the lines of the Menahune or something, right? Or like little dwarves living in the... or elves. Exactly. But not really. Not... Well... 
Exactly. Or, I'm gonna get, or maybe like not so much like fear just in like, oh my God, they're going to come and like slit your throat in the middle of the No, no, no. Nothing but, like that. But, but just that. It's like a, t- it's like a, not a challenge. Mutual respect probably. A little bit hostile. Or yeah, something. exactly. Oh, like, respect. That's a good Like a mutual right? respect the same way you would respect like a tiger. Like don't mm, go in okay. its territory. I you know see. what I mean? So the Orang Pendek reportedly inhabits, specifically, the mountainous forest on the island of Sumatra. Mm-hmm. So, and it's allegedly been seen and documented over the past several hundred years by both the, you know, the tribal peoples living in the forests, the local villagers, and then eventually Dutch colonists who were the first Europeans there and like that stayed there. So the Indonesian island of Sumatra is the sixth largest island in the world. And it really sucks because it's lost half of its rainforest over the last like 30-ish years. Of course. Um, basically, mostly from like people chopping it down, like just uh, palm oil plantations, coffee plantations, stuff like that, mm-hmm. which really sucks. Kale, okay, oh, maybe. Luckily, there are some national parks, which is really important. So the, on the west of the island, there's still vast tracts of this forest standing, and it's in the Karinchi Seblet National Park, park mm-hmm. which essentially covers 13,791 square kilometers for all our Canadians. Um, so it's about the size of Montenegro, roughly 1.4 million hectares. Everyone knows how big Montenegro is. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I guess it's the same. You can pull up Carinchy. Well, it'd be easier to look at Montenegro on a map though than like border Carinchy, like mm. against things and like see. <laughs> you know what's interesting? Like, okay, okay, so you said. 13,791 square kilometers. Right. Altogether, rather. Sorry for the entire yeah. area. And then, so the... I was curious because then right after that, it's this 1.4 million hectares. And I was like, wow, right. wait a second. All, how many hectares fit into a kilometer? And I actually looked it up because I was curious. <laughs> and the answer is one hectare is point one. I believe it's either point one or point zero one of a squared kilometer. Really? Crazy. Yeah. I don't know if I have that right, though. Maybe the website hmm. I was looking at had it wrong, because that sounds kind of off. You know, we always get those references when we have wildfires, for example. It's like, right. so many thousand hectares burn, and you're like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, yeah, we deal with that a lot in BC, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Australians, you would know, too. That's mm-hmm. very, very true. And or, or Californians, of course. Definitely. Everywhere. It's either you're in floods or in fire these days, it seems. Hmm. Well, I mean, we got to cover a fire uh, myth next then, because we're covering the floods, so... <laughs> Actually, on the radio, speaking of floods, I heard this flood story. I have to tell you about it later. But anyways, okay. <laughs> let's, let's keep on topic. All right. So this uh, this area, though, in the ma- national park is marked by Mount Kerinci, mm-hmm. which is this massive, massive volcano, essentially. So 12,000 feet above the ocean, big-ass mountain um, within a crazy national park. So it's super, super remote place, but it sucks because it's being deforested. So hopefully uh, it doesn't go any further than it's gone already. Dumb. So, so where the heck are these things hiding, then, if it's all well, deforested? They're not hiding in the trees because consensus among the witnesses and the, I mean, experts, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. is that the Orang Pendek is a ground-dwelling bipedal primate, okay. um, completely covered in short fur or hair, mm-hmm. right? Stands between 80 and 150-ish centimeters tall, and that's just according to Wikipedia, but that checks out across mm, most of the sources that I've found. So, Yeah. This is why they fear it, though. It's a, it's said to be incredibly strong, like super, super strong, which you would su- like, expect, I guess, if it's half like, man, half ape or something. It's Ant-Man. 
hand. <laughs> well, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> yeah, he's tiny and he's yeah. got super strength. I mean, sure. <laughs> not that tiny, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's like going Menahune tiny, like where some of the descriptions were that they were like, you know, or, like little like pixie fairy size, oh like from yeah. Peter Pan or something. Or that cute little skeleton that Ian sent over onto the Facebook Oh, yeah, board, that's Even though right. that is definitely just a, um, a series of unfortunate, it's an like, oddity. bone um, diseases or something, was it? Something like that? Is that what it's? Yeah. Yeah, it was like hmm. it was like at least like a had dozen or something different um, malformations and and stunted something. Well, or isn't that just? It's really cute though. It looks like a little tiny alien. It definitely the skull is what makes it weird. Definitely weird. And size. So okay, the people of Sumatra are super super like they just don't want to mess with this thing. It's got broad shoulders, long muscular arms that reach down far. So that's definitely one of the reasons why people think that. People are just seeing orangutans yeah. walking bipedally, right? That immediately makes me think that. So this is a quote from an ancient, or- ancient origins article. Mm-hmm. Sightings suggest it walks upright like a human, its body covered with black or honey-colored hair, and it may have a long mane of hair from its head down its back. <laughs> so it appears to live on the forest floor, again, like I said, uh, unlike the arboreal Sumatran orangutan, which is confined to the north end of the island and not normally seen in the south end where a lot of orang pendex sightings happen. So that kind of rules that out in a lot of, for a lot of people in terms of that being a... Okay. Hmm. Anyway. Interesting. Yeah, because immediately you think of, like, the, the, yeah, long, long arms, reddish orangefish fur. Sounds like an orangutan, right? But again, But these right? people live in this place. Well, that's exactly, that was the point I was going to make, is that these people would definitely be familiar with that. Yeah. And you can make the argument even that perhaps somewhere along the genealogical line, there was a... a Divergence? Yeah, of some sort. And Indeed. something went a different way. I don't know. It's entirely possible. Yeah. So let's get into like a little bit more of the generalities of the geography of what we're talking about. We're in Southeast Asia at this point. Well, at this point, they're in Southeast Asia. We're in Kelowna. (laughs) (laughs) I wish we were in Southeast Asia. Yeah. That'd be sick. (laughs) I've seen resorts where you can stay for literally 18 pounds per person. Night. We gotta do that, man. And, and then, it's luxury. It's like five stars. Well, right? imagine all the legends we could go search for, yeah, too. I know. That'd be amazing. Anyways, right. we'll do it eventually. We'll do it. Yeah, and guess how many islands there are to potentially oh, visit? Over 17,000! <laughs> so close. All right. Yeah, so that's a lot of islands. So that's a lot of hiding places, I would say. Even though we are definitely talking about one specific island right. that is quite large. Indeed. Uh, we always kind of make these associations when we've done like potential migrations across the Pacific where it's like island hopping is a really practical way of getting really far distances without that trans-oceanic voyage that would need a A massive vessel, you know? So again, right? Like, well, we don't actually have any evidence or any suggestions that these, like you said, they use tools, but they don't actually have the technology for boats per se or anything like that. There's no evidence of that. I mean, like they're on uh, islands, they obviously wouldn't be using that now, but their ancestors may have may potentially. Have. There's we'll talk yeah. about. We're gonna reference again the um, Flores man who we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Homo fl- fl- I always Homo struggle with right. Um, yep. Super small, same height description as the Orang Pendek, so, and found on the yeah. same island. So we'll, we'll talk about it in in a little bit here. Yeah. Okay, so exactly. This has a long history in this neck of the woods. 
centuries long, like we've alluded to, right? Like we've got yeah. references from Columbus dating back from like twelve hundreds and and probably even M- Marco that. Polo. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, Columbus. He was around in the twelve. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he claimed some more of that stuff too. That guy gets more credit than he deserves. <laughs> he won the first one in North America. <laughs> <laughs> But even despite the fact that Columbus never saw this thing, <laughs> it does have a long history. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And depending on who you talk to, there you will get different descriptions, different ideas of what this creature is. Right. But essentially, they're all in the same... I'm going to say they're all in the same neck of the woods. Definitely. That's, just, that's, that's, that's the thing. No, they... Like. Yeah. That's and more or less, yeah. Like you've already said before, like we get okay. So this is the consistency of descriptions. This, the height, yes, about three feet tall, like you said. Right. The color, reddish, warm. Sometimes can be a little bit gray or darker. You know what I mean? But you you get it almost reminds me where there is a description from one of the main people that is an expert in this field, Joyce something. I remember her last name, and she made the comment. She was like, "If this thing stands still in the forest." It's completely invisible. And immediately what it reminded me of was a hyena, sort of, because of the spottiness of the coat, right? So, like, and then also reminded me of, oh, shoot, what's the thylacine um, from Australia when we had that photo, remember, from the 60s of someone that reported taking a photo of a thylacine and no one was sure that it's it's probably like 99% a hoax or something. But then you get these people making arguments that there's like light coming through the trees at a weird angle and that's contributing to this sort of like camouflage. She's like half of it was like, it almost seemed as if half mm-hmm. of it might've been just a tree stump. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. depending on how you interpret the light. But I can again, see right, that. Like, yeah. So that to me lends credibility to, just the invisibility of the creature in general. And maybe it's not like, it's not like a interdimensional thing or anything like that, but right. it's just like a naturally occurring, just like super camouflage. Like. I Well, they're definitely going to be, yeah, mm. definitely. Like they would definitely be camoed. I feel like when I see the, hear the description of like gray and stuff, I mm-hmm. feel like we've talked about this before too. Like even the, the idea of like age. This, that could oh, be yes. a reference to the age Different of the ages. creature that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Even um, the main, right? It could point to some, some point of maturity yeah right like similar to like a lion how they gain their whatever similar they, to most things when right they reach sexual maturity isn't it or something like that sure mm-hmm. but anyways like there is also other things so the face yeah. in particular is very human-like it's not like an ape no. and like we did post um that one photo that's an illustration or an example of what this thing sort of looks like and right. it's it's kind of insane really it kind of reminds me of planet of the apes almost right or very human like like that but less protrusion in the mouth less protrusion in the mouth yes yes so less ape like in the mouth and the nose than the apes in planet of the apes but like reminds me of that because it's just like this very sophisticated looking monkey (laughs) with like with the um the sideburns and like you know just like very like you know like almost depa like the not so much like the fact that he's like got like freaking gel in his hair or something like that but just the (laughs) bone structure is dapper and like it's more human and it's more angular than an ape's it implies an intelligence a different type of intelligence and the eyes in that description or in the photo of that we were like really yeah 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 so there's definitely a lot of things that kind of separate this one from the pack i would say as far as it just being definitely run-of-the-mill primate well it's different even then like when we're i mean if even just to compare it there's no comparison to sasquatch really but when you think about the idea of 
when people report a Sasquatch sighting, or even when you go back through the his- history of them, they're the only reference to it being like a human is like the arms, right? Like long arms, but it's mm. it's walking bipedally. Yes. And oh, yeah. sure, the face looks, you know, rarely is it described like this is. No. Like the pen deck is like it's like mm-hmm. a man's face, and that's the point of emphasis. Mm-hmm. As right? opposed to being, like, because everyone that describes a Bigfoot will usually describe it as being, like, an extremely, like, hairy, dark face. Yes, thing, almost you know, like, like you can't even see the face. Exactly. Very much, like, a deep-set eyes, like, big brow yeah. and all that kind of thing. Definitely. Um, yeah, but that, it's so cool, right? Like you say, like, they're, they're feared, right, by these local people mm-hmm. because of their extreme camouflage and because they are so intelligent, supposedly, yeah. and because of the fact that they have this strength. But I like this. There's this like idea that they're one with the forest. Yeah. And again, right, speaks to the camouflage, the whole, like, what if you literally walked right past this thing and didn't see it? People probably do. They probably have. do all the time. <laughs> I would imagine. I mean, they obviously don't want to be seen. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just it. That speaks again to their intelligence. It's like our dog Stella, right? When she... She's pretty, like, she can be dumb, like, I'm not gonna, whatever, but she's, she's a guard dog, right? Yeah. So when she's on alert, and she'll be really quiet, like, stealth mode. Yeah. She's not gonna bark her head off at something coming up, like, you know, like, she just watches. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of the attitude that this reminds me of. It's Definitely. that type of intelligence. Or For sure. It's self-preservation to a certain extent. Definitely. There was this um, article in The Guardian, though, and this was uh, just talking about the names and how, <laughs> where you go... It can kind of change on the island. So in the southeastern lowlands, it's actually called the Sedapa or Setapak. I don't know if I'm saying the right Setapak. Yeah, I mean that's how it's spelled. It's Setapak. How else could that be pronounced? Setapak. 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 No. No. Gugu or Juju. Gugu. Gugu. Gugu is the name in southern Sumatra, while in the district of Rawas. It's called Atu Rimbu. Atu Rimbu. Atu Rimbu. So again, that speaks to a lot of different regional dialects. Definitely. And, and that's all it is, really. It's mm-hmm. just it's just subtle language But it's the same description, same thing. And a lot of the times, actually, it's kind of funny. Like, we get these southeastern descriptions, um, south, and then this Rawas district. But I'm not even sure where that is exactly. I don't know. I didn't want to get too bogged down in mm-hmm. that stuff. It's just a, kind but, of interesting to see the names. But the point I was going to make here is just the fact that it's mostly seen in the west of the island. So yes. So, in around this park, specifically the Karinji Park, Semblad right. Park that you already mentioned. Um, so, again, like, <laughs> so you're getting all these descriptions, all these consistencies, all these things. So, soon... Scientists are starting to get interested in all this, yeah. and they're starting to recognize that, yeah, we might actually have an undiscovered animal in the forest of Sumatra. Yeah. Like, not thinking even cryptozoologically necessary, necessarily. Like, I think scientists at that time were thinking, like, okay, these people are seeing a person. A There's got to be a variation of the orangutan that we don't yeah, know about. Yeah, exactly. So, that... Yeah, that's like almost like academia trying to lend another sort of lens of legitimacy to it to be like, we need funding to go do this. And right. Where, right. But the irony there is like literally that by definition is cryptozoology. It is. It is an unknown animal. Yeah. You don't know what it is and you find it. Exactly. And we have, we find them every year. Mm-hmm. Like they die off every year and then we find more fish and things like that we've never <laughs> seen before. I don't know if that's going to happen so much in the next century though. Might so not. Just a lot of things dying. But anyway, so there's been a lot of sightings reported over the years for these animals or primate humanoid type creatures, whoever you want to call them. But again, right, they're recurring in this Karenshi Regency in central Sumatra. And especially within the borders of Taman National Karenshi Sublat. So again, right, the national park. Yes. 
Karenzi is in the Jambi province. So again, this is in the central part of Sumatra and it's in a particular regency called uh, Kapubatan? Oh no, sorry. Yeah, Kapubatan yeah. in the Jambi province. Yes. And it's got, it's, it's not teeny, it's got like 3,800 square kilometers. And so that roughly translates as just over like, or sorry, just under 1,500 square miles. Okay. So that's a good chunk of space. That's a good little part of playground. I mean, it's not. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's the mountainous territory that makes it. Yeah. Even how would more that compare so. to like the outback of BC? You wonder how much how much squared kilometers. Oh God, not even rem- like the, the the untouched forest in British Columbia would be like this would just be a needle in needle in that haystack. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there, it's not as if this isn't inhabited though, right? There's a lot of indigenous people yep. living there. There's a lot of local population. There are, yes. Um, estimated population of about 20, sorry, 200,029. No, I said that totally <laughs> 229,000. Yeah, you got a couple different numbers here. Like the 2014 <laughs> census was what, 253,258? Oh, that's rising quite significantly, right? Because, okay, so that's the difference from 2010 to 2014. And yeah. you're getting a jump of 30,000 So you wonder, I mean, if, if they're slashing burning forest and they're increasing their... Yeah, just like cash know, crops like and their Shoot, that economy. reminds me of um, this island I read about when I was in school. I read this book. I can't remember what it's called. It's like At the Ends of the Earth or something. And it was essentially that, right? It was this island paradise, um, self-sustaining, had its own... Um, microcosm economy that was completely different than any sort of notion of capitalism we have here in the West. And then essentially what happened was you, I can't remember if it was ecological, I think it was ecological or just political. And you got like an influx of different people, or I think it was politicians. And then essentially what happened was you get this erosion of the traditional social economic contract. And then you get this introduction of cash crops of cacao. And then before you know it, the entire island is just harvesting cacao. And then their cacao crops um, die. There's this one disease that took over the entire island. So now they've got no forest. They've got no crop. And they have no way to subsist. They've completely lost all of their um, traditional socioeconomic well, and cultural foundation. That's happened in so many different so places. Many places. Right? I know. I'm just describing like the every story I feel yeah, like right now. <laughs> basically, I mean, I, don't I hope think... this isn't happening on. Well, uh, I mean, the, the, no, it won't happen to the national park. Obviously, like that's like a world heritage site. So unless like the well, even Unes- in mosquito, right? That's happening all the time too, and that's mostly for grazing for cattle and goats and whatever. It's different though, a little bit. Like it's. Anyway, let's not get into the politics of nah. burning forests, but no, uh, no. <laughs> like anyway, I the the national park is there to stay. It hopefully unless Trump nukes it or something or whatever <gasps> who, by accident. <laughs> or and, Kim Jong Un. <laughs> well, they're friends right now. I mean, they're in uh, they're in Vietnam right now, hanging out. Oh, that that seems so fitting. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Let's get into some sightings. We'll talk yeah. about Mark Polo. There ain't much to talk about. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, like we got pretty excited when we like heard that he had heard that he had, what am I even doing today? I feel like I'm like, so like not on my game today, but apparently in 1292, he visited the island and the locals, there's two different versions, versions of this. And one, they actually brought him a creature and showed it to him. Like, clearly a captive. Like a body? Oh, they, it was like well, living. Uh, presumably living. I mean, it's vague. You don't really know. You don't think they'd just bring him a body of a creature. I don't know. Maybe I don't they know. would. I I saw so many different descriptions of this encounter mm-hmm. that I don't know what to believe. 
I saw one that was talking about how he wrote it off as a hoax, like, instantly. And then I saw one where he was like, oh, like, this is amazing, and blah, blah, blah. Marco Polo wasn't writing off hoaxes in 1292 in places he had never been no. before. That's not a thing. I think I might have been thing. on uh, Skeptoid. Yeah. <laughs> Skeptoid is the worst. I'm not using that you anymore as have, references. You need to have skeptical people talking about stuff and whatever. Yeah, not when it doesn't make any sense. Anyway. No, exactly. And that wasn't even a complete sentence, and I just threw that out as garbage. All I didn't right, write it right. into these notes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Whether or not he actually saw it or not, we don't really know. But, I mean, Marco Polo's up there with... He he is Herodotus-esque, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just making it up as he goes along, he's potentially. He's like neoclassical. Basically. It wasn't really until the 1900s when things started to get crazy. <laughs> and sightings really started to ramp up. And that started... I mean, there was some leading up to this, but 1918. A guy by the name of Elsie Westenek. And he was the Sumatran governor, mm-hmm. and he was actually a Dutch colonist. So this was under Dutch control, obviously. Oh, uh, he was a Dutchie. End of the end of the First World War ish, getting towards the end of the First World War. Okay. Um, and I don't really know what was going on in this theater at that time. That's kind of interesting. I wonder what Indonesia was like during the Second <laughs> First World War. So many weird. Yeah, that was it. World War One was weird in that sense. Like, there were so many, exactly that, different theaters mm-hmm. that were referred to, but just different areas and regions where conflicts were occurring, like, right. all over, like, in Africa, in, in Sumatra. You gotta wonder, like, that. because that definitely played a role in how it died off for the Second World War. But anyway, mm-hmm. 1918, Sumatran governor, he writes up of a couple of different sightings, okay? So, including one in which he cl- he claimed to have seen the Orang Pendek, himself attempting to, and that this Orang Pendek was attempting to light a fire. Oh. Okay. So, anyway, this is what I found. Okay. This is a quote about a boy from the Padang province who saw it, okay? Mm-kay. So, okay, and this is from his journal. So, a boy from Padang employed as an overseer by Mr. Van H. had to stake the boundaries of a piece of land for which a long lease had been applied. One day, he took several coolies <laughs> into the virgin forest... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an alcoholic beverage. We're just sitting here drinking champagne coolies. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. One day he took several coolies into the virgin forest. <laughs> just say it again. I had to. Oh, <laughs> On the uh And it's the virgin forest, not just forest. <laughs> On the Barrison Mountains near Lobok Salasik. I don't know exactly where that is. Salisic. Suddenly he saw some 15 meters away a large creature, to him it was large, low on its feet, which ran like a man. It was very hairy and was not an orangutan, but its face was not like an ordinary man's. So that was a quote from the governor. It was large? Oh, to a boy, though. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So take that as you will. I don't really know. He recorded another one the year earlier in, in uh, 1917, when a guy by the name of Mr. Oost, Oh, man, Dutch names are weird sometimes. It's like double O's and things. Oosting. Oosting. The owner of a local coffee plantation near Dataran, he claimed to have seen the creature uh, while he in near the forest of his place at the base of another mountain, and he saw this creature sitting on the ground about 30 feet away, so pretty close. So he got a good look at it. And this is, again, according to this governor of Sumatra. Okay. So here's the quote. Uh, his body was as large as a medium-sized natives, and he had thick, square shoulders, not sloping at all. So the people of Sumatra are small, so medium-sized. I mean, take that as you will again. Okay. The color was not brown, but looked like black earth, a sort of dusty black, more gray than black. 
So again, we've heard gray before. Hmm. Could be the age of the creature. He clearly noticed my presence. He did not so much as turn his head, but stood up on his feet. He seemed quite as tall as I, about 1.75 meters. Hmm. That's, That's interesting. But here's, I'll, I'll, I'll have a comment to make about that when okay. I finish the quote. Then I saw uh, that it was not a man. And I started back, for I was not armed. The creature took several paces with the least haste, and then, with its ludicrously long arms, grasped a a sapling, which threatened to break under his weight, and quietly sprang into a tree, swinging in great leaps, alternately right and left. That sounds like an orangutan, is what I was going to say. That sounds like an orangutan, even if they're not that tall. And the other thing I have to say about that is that... Yeah, well, maybe the guy's eyes aren't that good. Maybe the other comment I have to make about that is that the orang pendek is often, when it's sighted and it's confronted, like not confronted by people like they're challenging it, but it's like a sighting that happens by accident, like the pendek's caught off guard, it puts its hands up. And Jeremy Holden has talked about this. He's a guy we'll mention in a sec. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a classic primate thing. I mean, they tell you to do that in the woods when you see a bear. Make yourself look big. Put your arms yeah. up in the air. Wave mm-hmm. your arms around. You're bigger. You're you're three feet taller when you put your arms up in the air. Mm-hmm. So if someone's just looking at it at a glance or they're scared, 1.75 meters is doable when you put your arms in the air. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He did not so much as turn his head, but stop on his feet. <laughs> he did. Hmm. And turned with a jerk and pulled up his stockings. And <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> Um, that's interesting. I'm thinking now, like, what if I... Actually, okay, I'm going to save it for the end. I have another alternative theory here that I haven't sure. just thought of. Sure, cool. But, okay. Okay, there's another one here, though. It continues into the 20s. Oh, Dutchies. 1923, a Dutch guy by the name of Mr. Van Herwarden. So actually matches potentially with Mr. H up mm-hmm. above here. Yeah, exactly. Mr. Van. Was it Van H? Hmm. Mr. Oosting. Yeah, I mean, Van Yeah, is, Mr. Van H. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be the same person. Who knows? Anyway, he was looking at the forest to see whether the trees would potentially make for good timber, mm-hmm. according to an article in the Telegraph that was talking about old sightings of the orange pendek. Mm-hmm. And during his uh, time, he spent tracking wild pigs. But despite seeing countless tracks in the mud, he had little luck of actually finding anything. Mm-hmm. But then on one occasion, he was crouching in the bushes waiting for pigs that he had tracked. And from the corner of his eye, he spotted a small hairy creature in the tree above him. So that's a little odd, unless it's hiding, right? Obviously, they can Mm. climb trees. Initially, the creature didn't notice him, or so he thought. But upon seeing him, the animal started shaking violently, like shaking the branches. Okay, okay. So he immediately recognized... like howler monkeys. Kind of, a little bit, right? Um, he immediately recognized it as being the orang pendek that the villagers had spoken so often about to him. And sometime, uh, how does this, how this go? Oh, after some time, he actually tried to climb the tree to where the creature was sitting. (coughs) So that's Mm. interesting. But as he approached, the small hairy creature slid off the branch and then ran away. So obviously it's an orang pendek. It's running away on two feet. Not ambling away like an orangutan would on four, essentially. Yeah, like, because they can walk nimble. bipedally, but they're not running bipedally, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then again, like many people since have had stories to tell about encountering the orang pendek after that sighting mm-hmm. in the 20s. Well, and then we got even more duchies here. It's just they're all over the map. <laughs> in May of 1927, there was actually a plantation worker who was Dutch as well, and he did report seeing an orang pendek. 
Um, so this is all in the 1920s. Eh? We've had like at least a three lot. significant sightings. I'm mm. starting to think to myself, like, okay, like you do get that influence, right? Of like the yeah, the mythological creature. It's like, oh, it's the Orang Pendek. It's like just like they said in World War One. Oh, it's the Gremlins, or you know that type of thing. Potentially. But anyways, I'm not even just write it off just with that. But um, yeah, so he actually sighted this from a distance of 10 meters. And again, long hair, black skin. Long hair and black skin. That's interesting. Well, the face of the image, like the drawing that you were describing before. Is very dark. It's dark. Yeah. So depending on the type of time of day. Oh, yeah. No, totally. And it did run away again. And it left small human-like footprints. That's interesting. I wonder if there's five digits on there. You'd have to. You'd think so. Yeah, this is 1927, so we don't actually get those details. But anyways, in the same year, summer this time, there was another Oring Pendek that was said to have been caught in a tiger trap. Interesting. And mm-hmm. But it actually broke free, which is kind of... But that's... <laughs> okay, so why the heck... How would they have... Oh, okay, so it was actually examined by um, Dammerman. Sorry, I <laughs> didn't see that part there. So traces of blood were left behind, and then it was examined. And this guy, K.W. Dammerman, who is a zoologist, not a cryptozoologist, a zoologist, he concluded that it was not from a bear, gibbon, or human. Back in <laughs> back in the day, cryptozoologists were cryptozoologists. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You didn't need the term crypto. Yeah, it was just zoologists. We're just trying to figure out what's out there. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting, though. I wonder how he concluded that. If there was hair samples left behind as well, if he was able to do... Like, you don't have DNA at this point, so... Not quite yet. Nope. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, what, 30 years away from that or something? Or f- when did DNA come It was come after out? 50s? World War II. Yeah, so 50s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, like, referencing in my head Ascension, right? Because yeah. I just had the end of mention that. That's right. That's a really cool series. Everyone who's listening to go, if you haven't watched Ascension, we just watched it. It's pretty cool. It's really cool. And I think we're going to feature it on a film Friday, so. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Go check it out. It's a mini series. It's pretty cool. But anyways, um, in the 30s, we get a little bit of a drop off with this creature or sightings in the creature. And some people theorize this is actually due to like the outbreak of the Second World War and Indonesian struggles for independence that followed shortly after that. Yeah. That was a big era. A lot of different countries that were formerly um, colonial interests were breaking free and doing their own thing. And struggling because of it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, so that, again, right, that's where we're getting today, right, where we're seeing mm-hmm. maybe some political things and some deforestation that could be a result of instability in the country. Who definitely. Yeah, so again, we get a whole war, we get a couple decades go by, and then it's not until the 1960s when we get another witness, and this was a helicopter pilot by the name of Harry, sorry, Larry Wilson, and he served in Vietnam War and started working in Southeast Asia after the war. He claimed, I just want to add this in here because it's Mm -hmm. not included, he claimed to have seen similar creatures during the war. So Vietnam's real close by, um, Southeast Asian island um, that has a lot of mysteries too, and mm. some similar small creatures, but it's just an mm. interesting point for migration ideas and stuff like that, right? Yeah, totally. So this guy, Larry Wilson, described um, that as he was flying, he climbed over top of a tree line, and it was near a mountain ridge where he saw what he thought at first glance was a man climbing high in the trees. 
But they're literally in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So just a casual tree climb. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I no- wonder if he had clothing, if he was just furry, if he. I mean, yeah. But I, I think, he, at first, he took him to be a man, and then it started shaking the branch it was on as it noticed this machine, the, right. the plane flying over it, and he described this creature as having a kind of a round face with a flat skull top. Okay. Kind of Shortish hair, no tail, and facial features much like a man. Yeah. Okay. So it's almost like that weird in between. Where where does it fall? Where is the line? Does it fall know. closer to human, closer to primate? Is, is it are we one of the same? Well Can that's we where that? when we go back into our human evolution, that's like our, our like we see the the similarities, obviously, right? So, like, if we talk about Homo, you say it, Homo floresiensis, mm-hmm. then he definitely looked the way that that drawing you're, you were describing before yes. would have looked, right? Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll put that up. We'll probably put, we'll probably include that with when we post this. That'll be like the image to go with the show. Let's do or it. Something. Mm-hmm. So, so that was in the '60s. Um, so after the Vietnam War, into the '70s and stuff, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, and then came along a woman by the name of Debbie Martyr. And she kind of like totally revamped the search for Orang Pendek because mm-hmm. it, it did die off. It waxed and waned depending on who you talk to. And yeah, she really brought it back to the attention of the Western public in the 1980s. So she was from the UK. Um, she began her research in the late 1980s um, on specifically the Orang Pendek. So she was on the island, um, in July of 1989 as a travel writer. Mm -hmm. This is according to most sources. Some others say that she was actually the editor of a magazine. Yeah, Um, that's what I saw. But either way, I mean, she Mm -hmm. was a journalist by all accounts. And while she was there, she camped out on the slopes of Mount Carinchy and she had this guide by the name of Jamrudin. Mm -hmm. And he pointed out the areas where Sumantra and rhinoceroses were seen, where tigers could be seen, where they have rhinoceroses on there? (laughs) Apparently. Cool. I didn't actually know that. (laughs) I wonder if I, I got to fact check that. Oh, you know. I got to fact check that one. But I mean, Mm -hmm. they got the Sumantran tiger, which is the apex predator. They've got the the bear, uh, the sun bear that we'll talk about in a oh, bit too. Cute but in later conversations, he would actually mention to her that like these mountainous areas of in the east and the west, mm-hmm. where there there were areas where the Orang Pendex, the little men of the forest, would sometimes be seen. So basically, after this, she was hooked. She was like, "What? Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. These little men of the forest? Little men? Oh, just an update. Yeah, Sumatran rhinoceroses do exist. That's insane. Mm-hmm. What do they look like? They're called like real rhinoceroses? rhinoceroses. It's a rare member of the family rhinos. I don't even know. Anyways. Cool. Continue. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So she's hooked on this idea and her profile basically became that from that day on that of a Orang Pendek researcher specifically. She was no longer interested in any of the other rare animals in Sumatra. She was looking for the Orang Pendek because mm-hmm. um, and ended up staying on the island for 15 years looking for it. Wow. She never went. Well, she did eventually go back, but crazy. And while well, she was there, your visa. <laughs> I guess while she was there, she claimed to have actually seen the animal herself on several different, different occasions. Ooh. And, when you see this woman, like there's, um, there's video footage, like she's in the monster quest documentary and stuff and she's super credible, like doesn't seem like the type that would make anything up. Exactly. Um, she seems like a very solid researcher, almost an academic, even though I don't think she has a doctorate or anything. No, I don't think so officially. Mm. 
1994 is when she claimed to have, to have her first sighting. So she was in the national park and she claimed to have spotted the creature. She saw it walking as a bipedal primate, like we've talked about before. So it was mm-hmm. clearly not an orangutan. She claimed it to be like an orangutan at first glance, but then noticeably different. And this is the best quote ever that just describes this whole series. She said it was like seeing something from the wrong side of time. Which I just think is so I cool. I mean, I don't know if that falls into the realm of the uncanny in a way. Mm-hmm. But I would it's say like, so. It's yeah. just so weird, right? Or almost like, um, oh, what's that word that you always use? Anachronistic. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So she described it like the orang pendek usually no, no more than 85 or 90 centimeters in height. Although occasionally as large as 1 meter and 20 centimeters. So that's, what would that be? That's like just over three and a half feet type deal? Anyway, the body okay. is covered in a coat of dark gray or black flecked with gray hair. So that's kind of like what you were talking about, yeah, the idea the of the hyena-esque camouflage. Because then, right, that lends to her description of, like, if it freezes, it's invisible. Right. Mm-hmm. She also referenced, like, the sheer physical power of the Orang Pendek. That most impresses, like, the vigil- all the villagers of Mount Karinchi. They speak in awe of its broad, broad shoulders, huge chest, upper abdomen, and powerful arms, as she described. And the animal is so strong that the villabers, the villabers, the villagers <laughs> would whisper that it can uproot small trees and even break rattan vines. Oh. So rattan vines are like crazy thick and oh. can just literally yank a tree out of the ground, yet it's three feet tall. What? So that's pretty wild. That's Ant-Man strength, man. Right. So the leg in comparison are super, super short and slim and the feet are really small, usually turned out at an angle of 45 degrees, which is an interesting description. Hmm. The head slopes back to a distant crest. So similar, sorry, distinct, (laughs) distant, distinct. So similar to a gorilla, but not to the same effect, like Mm. not as pronounced as that. There appears to be a bony ridge above the eyes. Yeah, I kind of noticed that in the description or in the photo that we. So that's at. almost like going back to like human ancestors, right? Like yeah. the brow ridge of a Neanderthal and like mm. the progression from that. The nose, though, is distinctly humanoid. And then when frightened, the animal exposes its teeth, mm-hmm. revealing oddly broad incisors and prominent long canine teeth. That reminds me of like a chimpanzee. Yeah. Or other, you know, apes like that. Very much like that. Bare their teeth. Yeah, exactly. It's a warning sign. So it's like, are we dealing with a remnant of man or are we dealing with an offshoot of some other primate? I feel like we just keep towing that line, right? Whether or not we are talking about some sort of anthropological phenomenon, if we are going to be talking about as cryptozoological primate phenomena. I feel like, I don't even know if we really need to make that delineation. You know what I mean? Like, it's... At this point, it's so ambiguous. Well, we kind of have to. I mean, if we're if we're trying to figure out what this thing is, well, I guess it's like I don't but know. We but came the... from apes, so at the same time, it's like, well, are we going to argue where along the point of evolution these things might have broken off, or you know what I mean? Like, is it? I guess there's yeah, there's just two different lines of interest. Is this a divergence from apes mm-hmm. that broke off like the same way the orang like the orangutan ended up mm-hmm. where it is mm-hmm. at some point along the line? Or this is this legit just a remnant of human civilization that was supposed to be dead over 30,000 years ago that's still there. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to try and figure yeah, out. Right. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or just add to the conversation. We get a little closer with Jeremy Holden. Yeah, Jeremy Holden, he, he added a lot to the conversation. He's a wildlife photographer, spent many, many years in remote regions, especially in Southeast Asia. So he is a verified expert, I would say. 
Um, and he has been looking for these hidden animals. So he is a cryptozoologist. <laughs> Definitely. And while he was there in Sumatra, he was in the Mount Karinchi area. And this was 2009, so pretty recently. He actually found animal tracks um, after a large rain while they were exploring this like massive volcano that's at Mount Karinchi. Mm-hmm. And he was encouraged by that. But... It's not as if they were definitively like these small human tracks or anything like that, but he they could have been uh, signs of an Asian golden cat, which is very cool. We we kind of briefly mentioned them when we talked They're about beautiful. alien big cats. They are yeah. gorgeous. And then, of course, the Sumatran tiger. Beautiful. It is the apex predator of the region. Yeah, they're hardcore. I'm curious, though. We didn't get a description of the tracks in question, so we're kind of just speculating as to whether... He didn't say, like, these were definitively one way or the other. No, I mean, no. That was just leading into... They did end up finding other tracks that they thought were... Exactly, yeah. So... Yeah, that, that's the interesting part. So he was encouraged by the fact that there was a lot of these rare animals in the area, and including the sun bear, like you mentioned. So we've got a tiger, we've got the um, the Asian golden cat, we've got the sun bear, all very, very, um, I, don't know, I was going to say esoteric animals, but they're just like <laughs> very fringy animals, very rare, very yeah, you know, like yeah. niche species. Definitely not seen very often and can all be like mm-hmm. misidentified. Yes, so again... Getting back to the sun bear, uh, Jeremy Holden, he did acknowledge that there is this bear that is about four feet tall and can walk for a few paces on its hind legs. Yeah. This isn't what we're really talking about. It's not as if this thing has a human-like face by any means. No, it doesn't. Exactly. And it's... It, it, some people think that this could be misidentified as an oaring pendek um, because of the footprints, mostly. Not because of the physical description. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of another possibility in this whole... It definitely throws another monkey wrench into a lot of the sightings, right? Like, yeah. it's just that that's what happens so often with cryptozoology. What I it's... have popping in my head now, too, is like, hey, wait, if you think you find something that is a quote-unquote oaring pendek, what if it's just like a kid? <laughs> <laughs> just like a lost child hiding yeah. and run, running around in Sumatra? I have another point to make on that note between, like, um, the adolescent versus the adults in this um, case, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, so he had his own sighting, this Jeremy Holden, while he was in Sumatra. Okay, on one expedition, he actually found a footprint that he knew was not from this bear, because he is he is an expert, and he would know oh, yeah. what's up. And so he had actually ventured into a small forest, or sorry, into the forest, and saw some branches swaying, and then a flash, Ooh. and a small creature that ran past him through the trees. And he described it as yellowish in color, similar to dried grass, as that yeah. was his comparable. But the experience was so quick, he couldn't actually get a photo. He was pretty mad about it. But he said it ran into when it ran into the woods, he knew it wasn't a bear or an orangutan because it didn't amble. It was very erect, very upright, and it was sprinting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not that kind of, like, you can picture it in your head. Like, yeah, an ambling orangutan or gorilla or whatever, right? Yeah, like how they or even be... a bear, right? It kind of, like, yeah. rumbles through the forest. Exactly. Like, you, know, you might be walking on your hind legs for for a second, yeah. but then you kind of drop down and you're going like this. And if it's going to run, it's going to go to fours. It's not That's right. twos. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So this kind of led into, I mean, there was earlier sightings and work done by Adam Davies, who's straight up a cryptozoologist, doesn't have any designations beyond that but mm-hmm. he's researched a lot of stuff he's been searched for the Yaren 
We referenced him in that episode as well. The smell of bananas. <laughs> the smell of bananas. Great banana aroma. <laughs> anyway, we make fun of him a lot, but he does do right. good work. And in 2001, he was there at Mount Carinchy, and he found a footprint that he believed to be from the Orang Pendek. He took a cast of this. He sent it to my main man, my favorite guy, <laughs> Dr. Oh, wait, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Jeez. Sent it to Dr. Meldrum. <laughs> Ooh, I'm totally going to use that in like a book or something someday. Yeah, just for the heck of it. Yeah. He sent it to Meldrum and Dr. David Chivers of Cambridge University. And they're both um, doctors of anthropology, specifically uh, primatology and um, archaeology, right? right. We've so, seen them quite a bit mm-hmm. as Dr. Meldrum. They were super interested in what they saw. What they pointed out specifically was that the heel was particularly strange. So, and then that the ridge is somewhere in between that of a primate and a human. What they had at first, they thought to be maybe the curled toes of, or the curled fingers of the arm of an orangutan. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that where this track was found, there's never been an orangutan sighting, ever, Hmm. reported. So they do not inhabit this area. Okay. Unless they are just venturing away out of their range. Mm -hmm. So, the other thing that this lends evidence to is the idea that this is the type of ridge and heel structure that's meant for walking bipedally. Okay. It does not imply a tree bound creature. Hmm. Okay. So he believes Adam Davies, like based on his time spent there, he believes it to be an opportunist feeder. And I feel like that ties into potentially the villagers being afraid of them because they're super strong. And if you're an opportunist feeder, then you're, Mm -hmm. I mean, potentially, Mm -hmm. right? So sometimes even, Stealing from remote villages and local Indonesians. I didn't even finish my sentence and you were already there. (laughs) That's awesome. So he was there in 2009, though, with Jeremy Holden on one particular expedition and continued on in other expeditions as well. They found a print very similar to what he found in 2001. And he was able to he they weren't able to tell what it was. They sent it to Meldrum, ended up being a bear footprint. And what's interesting about this is like. Okay, so, okay, let's let's talk about this, though. He has a sighting here, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Oh, wait, no, no, no. This is different. Mm-hmm. This is a different one. They did find a print that ended up being bear. And the Asian sun bear, very much like bears in North America, are the prints are often mistaken for Sasquatch prints okay. because of the digits and just the shape. The general shape of a print is oh. so distinct from, like, cougar and, like, other stuff. It's oh. just more human-like. But not human like, but just like depending on how the pressure is applied in the print, it does look more like the structure of a potentially human esque foot. Okay, but this one was interesting because he actually saw a print on a slope and then what looked to be like almost like a hand grip on an adjacent branch that rubbed off moss to match with like a creature walking down a slope the way you would kind of put your hands on the trees as you're walking down a steep hill. Yeah, to support yourself. Mm-hmm. It could have been potentially a human, like an actual human, a local, but he wasn't really anywhere local. Like he was pretty, <laughs> re- they, they were pretty remote, right? So this like was, it was like one of the film crew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just has like the world's tiniest feet. He's out there with like size four, like child's shoes. Anyway, so clearly this was something bipedal though, walking through the bush. If you're thinking it could have been the Orang Pendek, but then unfortunately it rained like crazy and mm-hmm. they weren't able to actually take casts. They came back, they tried to take casts and they just couldn't get anything Shoot. done. The following year and then 2002 in September, 
um, sorry, not, not the following year of 2009, but the following year to his initial footprint discovery. Mm-hmm. The associate uh, uh, of Deakin University in mm-hmm. Melbourne, Australia, he took a look at it and acknowledged it to be one of the world's most renowned hair experts. Now, I suppose there was some hair. I actually missed that part, didn't I? Right. Okay. This wasn't from Davies. This was from another person. I actually think this might have been from Martyr. Oh. Um, I'll have to come back around to that and check in on that for you guys and like post it or something. But mm-hmm. in any event, there were some hair samples found that were exciting because of the Davies footprint, right? The Davies footprint was ramping it up again in 2000. Here are these hair samples. He does analysis mm-hmm. of it. And again, it's essentially inconclusive, but it's, it's somewhere between a, an ape and a human. It's not orangutan hair. It's it's like the same it's thing we got. It's this. It's not a bowl. It's not a bowl. It's the same thing we got a lot of the time with the big cats episode. Yeah. Right. Here's this hair. What is it? It's not this. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. It is by what it's not. Right. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> anyway. So what the hell are we dealing with here? What the hell is this thing? Is it mm. a? Oh, man, like, I don't even know. Like, okay, I'm just going to jump ahead to this before I even start off with Flores Man. Mm -hmm. Because there's the idea of it being a mystery ape specifically or an unrecognized, crazy, neolithic human tribe of some kind is actually described by certain people in Sumatra. So there's a group called the Ibu Gogo that are sometime reported on the island of Flores, so in Indonesia, and that they are essentially... A, a tribe, like a legit, like loincloth, like spear chucking tribe in the woods. Okay. Not similar to, be- to like North Sentinelese. Right. As but, an example. But still like a three feet tall type deal. Mm-hmm. Like all the other physical descriptions match with the Pendek. They deserve their own episode altogether. So it's closer to Floris Man. It's cl- right. But mm-hmm. we're also making a potential connection to Floris Man yeah. with the Orient Pendek. So that's what we're going to talk about right now. Uh, it's interesting because that makes me, I was, this is my little half-baked thought here. What if, because like that description that you um, put forth where it was like a little bit more, was in the 1920s and the guy described it as being like 1.75 meters. Right. And I'm thinking to myself like, hey, wait, what if that was like an adult and a lot of what people see are the adolescents, the children that are a little bit more curious, a little less afraid. That's but like, why you know, they're kind of, seen. Exactly. And that's why they're not as smart maybe per se, or they're not, they're still, they're still learning the ways they're getting inducted into the, the ways of being one. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, that's my idea. <laughs> okay. So let's, do you want to, okay. I'll, I'll, let's talk I'll, about Flores, man. So Australian paleontologist, by a guy by the name of Mike Moorwood was a guy who discovered Flores man. Right, in that cave. Yeah, so he's mm. excavating the cave in the west uh, of the island of Flores. He made this crazy discovery. It was the adult skull of a human-like creature, cool. okay, but of tiny proportions. Mm-hmm. So then further excavations, basically they found the skeleton mm-hmm. and then a number of other individuals. What was most important about this, though, and crazy, is that they weren't fossilized. They were actually... This is according to Mysterious Universe, but a bunch of other articles, too. They were likened to wet tissue paper. Yeah, we had that description in our other episode, too. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. weird, right? So they actually had to be dried out before they could be excavated. That's crazy. Why would that have just washed away? I know, right? I mean, we're lucky we found it. Mm -hmm. Like, that could have not been found. It could have been another however many, like another hundred years or something, it could have been gone. Mm -hmm. But what was most significant about this, Mm -hmm. there were tools, weapons, and evidence of fire use Mm -hmm. found with these skeletons. Implying that, obviously, Homo floresiensis was smart. 
and could handle their shit, right? Like, they knew yeah. what they were doing. Yeah, totally. And that lends to the idea what that boy described as there's fire. They were trying to make fire. And didn't you say something about they're using tools, too? Yeah, or like... spears or something? Or? There's, or at least of them, yeah, like, using stick. Like, even chimps will use sticks to, like, get ants out of, a, out of um, deep holes and things and stuff. Like, they use tools, right? right. Technically. Yeah. It's a tool. You're using it. It's not... It doesn't grow in your body. They got Wi-Fi over there? Laptops? <laughs> <laughs> got a Ralph's around here? Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, the creatures were then called Homo floresiensis because of the island. And they would have only stood one meter tall. Exact same as the Orang Pendic. Despite having a smaller cranial capacity than like chimps and other apes like that, they were clearly highly intelligent because they were using these tools, right? They were hunting pygmy elephants, giant rodents that existed during megafauna era. And there was also evidence of like Komono dragon size, like lizards and things like that. So they were were dealing with crazy things. So yeah, they found all this evidence and they could have lived as recently as 13,000 years ago. Some archaeologists and anthropologists even believe it to be 12,000 years ago. And in some pocketed areas, we get into the realm of Mm cryptoanthropology, they they could still be alive. (laughs) When we're talking 12,000 years ago, that's in the territory of the ancestors of like the silks indigenous people that live here in the Okanagan. They were yeah. around back yeah, then. That's exactly. when the f- stories of Ogopogo were forming mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. This Ending isn't even that scene. long ago in human history. Like, Gobekli Tepe was, like, way further back, potentially, even. Oh, where did they date that exactly? That, I, oh, I don't even know. People date that to all kinds of different times, just like right. with the pyramids and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. the point is, is that people were around. They're around. Okay. That's profound, right? <laughs> They're around and it's profound. <laughs> New series, Around and Profound, <laughs> featuring Abernetch. <laughs> And Jeff Meldrum from Idaho State University uh, because he's the guy who actually believes that it could be a, a you know, it could be one and the same. It could be Homo floresiensis cool. or, and or Impendic. I like that. There's a guy uh, named Richard Freeman who also mentioned that, like, as far back as the 1940s, a guy named William Charles Osmond Hill, who was a British primatologist and zoologist, he postulated mm-hmm. that the Aring Pendek could have been a connection to Homo erectus. Mm. So some sort of a weird ancestor along the same lines as the Nitaweo of Sri Lanka, who I'll mention oh. in just a sec while we the end Nitaweo. off the episode, <laughs> because uh, those were dwarf people on the island of Sri Lanka. Kind of similar to the Menahune? Kind of similar to the Menahune. More similar to this Ebu Gogo that I mentioned okay. here um, that's reported on Flores. Okay. <laughs> and could like, be the Orang Pendek and could be also Homo floresiensis and could be whoever else is walking up, right? variations of something. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just keep referencing, um, or, or not Orang Pendek. <laughs> Are we talking about that? I thought we were talking about the Menahune. Oh, what? Yeah. (laughs) No, um, just the Menahune because of the fact that they are from supposedly migrated from further west to Hawaii from like Polynesian islands. So then in in my brain, like I went to Google Earth. I'm like, okay, so how how can we like trace this little map of voyage or some sort of migration? But it does seem quite a lot farther. It's not an impossible by any means but again right like what if you do get these hitchhiking backpacking kind of <laughs> little people coming along they're doing their own thing and somehow like you know just... you never know i mean jeremy holden makes the comment in the monster quest doc when they're tra- traveling to into deep into the park they're just in simple dugout canoes um literally mm-hmm. just a tree trunk that was dug out and like that's te- technology that dates back further than twelve thousand years potentially oh, right sure. i mean like so Mm-hmm. Could have been moving around. Absolutely. <laughs> they are very similar 
to another group called the Nguai Rung of Cambodia and Laos. Okay. Um, the It's also known as the Ujit, um, and they're also known as forest people. So they are an entity said to inhabit the Vu Quang Nature Reserve and other wilderness areas of Vietnam, Laos, and northern Borneo. So that could have been the creature that, um, oh, uh, Mr. Wilson in the 60s, the chopper pilot, could have seen. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And in 1947, there was a sighting by a French colonist, and this was in Vietnam because it used to be French. Hmm. And multiple other French people reported seeing that. Yeah, and then in 1982, Professor Hing Yong V at the University of Hanai, he actually made foot casts of what he believed to be this creature. The Nitoweo, you mean? The the mm-hmm. Nitoweo, not mm-hmm. the Orang Pendek. Right, okay. But then this this track was then corroborated by Vietnamese scientists as not the footprint of any known primate. Um, the Borneo connection is also interesting here because the uh, Borneo is another area where orangutans can be found. Those are the mm. only two places, Sumatra and Borneo, where you can find the orangutan really? in the world, wow. other than zoos. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other one that's really interesting, though, the Nitaweo of Sri Lanka. So I mentioned this a minute ago. Small, hairy population of bipedal hominids. Oh, sorry. I think I had that confused. I thought you were talking about the Nitaweo just then. You were talking the Bata. Oh, sorry. The uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, no. I was talking about the Nuguai Rung. Oh, Nuguai Rung. Yeah. Okay, sorry. That's Cambodia. That was my uh, bad. I, I, I inserted the Nitaweo there. <laughs> oh, that's okay. No, that's okay. And then the Nitaweo is Sri Lanka. So, but this is all in the neck of the woods. Okay, right? so this Cambodia is all, versus Sri Lanka. This is all Southeast Asia people, yeah. basically, mm-hmm. right? Indian like Ocean, yeah. Like whole, yeah. And this is, again, a small, hairy population, bipedal hominids, and the legends of the Vedaha Ved, <laughs> tribe, who still the farm Vedha. in Sri Lanka. And they say they, who are, they claim to be responsible for wiping them out sometime late in the 18th century. Which is crazy because that implies that they're aggressive, that they're like another tribe that needs to be dealt with, right? Jeez. So according to their tradition, and this was reported by a guy named Frederick Lewis in 1914, mm-hmm. they were approximately dun, 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 three feet tall. Mm-hmm. The females being slightly shorter than the males, they walked erect. They had no tails. They okay. were completely naked. So That's no, a difference. No hmm. Their arms were short mm-hmm. and talon-like nails. That's different than the orang pendek. Short arms, short arms, and not described as like outright hairy. So Isn't again, that weird though? It's like a regional variation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the other difference is For that the they dwell in trees, not like the orang oh. So this is again, it's like multiple possible primate cryptozoological phenomena going on here. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually starting to think that, and I am actually really liking that whole Neolithic theory, too, because to me, that, especially that one description, and who knows, like, I'm not going to just go, oh, yeah, there was that one guy in the 1920s, so I'm going to base my whole idea off this, just off that, but I think you can make the argument that, yeah, exactly that, there's a another type of human population living way, 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 exactly like the North Sentinelese, but oh, Sumatra is obviously bigger that's actually the perfect example it really is it It really is and uh, yeah like i just i feel as though because like the the slight variation say in the size where we get ones that are um, closer to meters right that was like 1.75 in that one count versus closer to a meter can speak to exactly that genetic variations and um and then the the maturity of the actual specimen. Absolutely, and we're pr- this has been proven through the remains of Homo floresiensis, right? Well, there you go. Because 
they were only three feet tall. Mm-hmm. There was other living human ancestors in other parts of the world that weren't three feet tall. Mm-hmm. That's a regional variation. That's totally, I, I, I'm 100% on board with you here. The, um, just to cap it off, though, with the Nitaweo, mm-hmm. that guy, again, that W.C. Osman Hill, mm-hmm. he actually led an expedition into the wilderness, the jungles of Sri Lanka in 1945 mm-hmm. because there was widespread belief even then that these guys were still out there. They hadn't been wiped out by the, mm. this tribe that claimed to have wiped them out. So Okay. Remnants are out there. Yeah. That's neat. Okay, I really like this one. Yeah. I want to go travel this mantra. I know, right? It's pretty bizarre. <laughs> so, I mean, what are your thoughts in the end? I mean, do you think that this... Which way are you leaning on the two sides of the argument? And do you think it's... I feel like I'm leaning more towards the anthrop- crypto-anthropological kind of route. Right. And But I feel like it's kind of superfluous to kind of be like, oh, I'm going from this angle versus that angle. But I guess you can... Yeah, it, yeah, it is relevant. Hmm. I'm... Yeah, exactly that. I like your Neolithic idea. I think that's really cool. And I think that can speak to exactly what I just said. I'm not going to repeat myself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this that, well, that guy, Osman Hill, I mean, he even thought that like Java man, which is essentially like would be renamed Homo erectus eventually, mm, right? Coffee man. <laughs> Java, 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 Java. No, but seriously though. Yeah. So Java man, like the remains Java. later named Homo erectus matched up with the descriptions of the Nitto whale. Okay. A lot of the time. Which I think is interesting. So I, what's your favorite then? Let's just, I'm putting you on the spot then. <laughs> um, yeah, you are. I don't, uh, <laughs> like, I don't think they're the same thing. Rolling his eyes at me. A little bit. <laughs> you put me on the spot, I'm putting you on the spot. I don't, um, I don't think the Nitto whale and that the Orang Pendak are the same thing. The Nitto whale deserve their own episode. Like we'll do an episode on them. Oh, sorry. I didn't say that by any means. Is that what you asked No, 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 no. This oh, is okay. just what oh. I'm saying. Oh, okay. This is just like my final mm-hmm. thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they're related. Like, I think that they're individual, like, anthropological phenomena, mm-hmm. like, crypto-anthropological phenomena. With completely separate histories that extend quite a bit. Yeah, because if we're looking at, again, yeah, like, the, um, the, uh, oh my god, the Islanders, we just referenced them, the people with so, no fire. Um, the North Sentinelese. North Sentinelese is the perfect example, really, because it's just, like, so mm-hmm. isolated, but still a population of, we don't even know how many, yeah. but they've been there for 60,000 years. Isolated, yet localized. Exactly. And it's like a microcosm. So you could have those microcosms all over the place, and there's 17,500 islands, and that's not including, like, the Sri Lanka's mm-hmm. a totally different country and stuff, right? So. And if you think of it, an island is a world in itself. Especially back in the day. Well, exactly. No internet's around. I really want to go and search for the Orang Pendic, though. That's top of my list, cryptozoologically speaking. <laughs> okay, I was like, what? We've got a list that extends freaking to like, the day we die, I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's great. That's exactly what we want, right? <laughs> anyway, that basically wraps it up for so. the Orang Pendic. Before Stella steals the show. With yeah, all that's right. With all her snoring, driving mm-hmm. me crazy. So thank you so much for listening, you guys, to another... Please reach out with your favorite theories yes. and ideas and thoughts and comments, suggestions, any corrections on anything you've heard today. We want to hear it all. Definitely. We, we love you guys, so just, we just appreciate you guys Yeah, thank you so much for supporting the show. And mm-hmm. uh, shout out to Charlene Ramler, our producer. <laughs> and, uh, and our new newbies on board. That's right. Yeah. We love you. Yeah, we do. So, I mean, uh, I don't even know what we're doing next month, but it's going to be banging and we can't oh, wait to do it. I'm kind of stoked. I really want to do, I kind of want to do something Bigfoot related, but maybe not. Maybe we'll save that for a few months or something. Ooh, I don't know. There's so many juicy things. There's I mean, send us your suggestions, guys, and uh, post comments on this uh, this episode and mm-hmm. you can have suggestions and thoughts on there too. But exactly. uh, thanks again and until next time. Until next time.